our scripture reading, we turn to John chapter 9, starting at verse 24. This Lord's Day speaks about Christ as the mediator in that connection. We consider his reference to himself as, as the door and the fact that we read in this Lord's Day also of the gospel and Christ who is the door also refers to himself as the light and in chapter 9, we read of him as the light. Actually, that's an idea that is seen a number of times in the book of John, that that idea keeps coming up about Christ as the light. But we see how the, the text moves from talking about him as the light to talking about him as the door, and there's a relationship between what we read in chapter 9 and what we read in chapter 10. If we read the end of chapter 9... And then we go on into the first part of chapter 10, starting at chapter 9, verse 24. Then again called they the man that was blind, and this is the Jewish leaders that are calling in the man that was born blind that Jesus had healed. Called, again, uh, called they again the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner, referring to Christ. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Then said they to him again, What did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and ye did not hear. Wherefore would ye hear it again? Will ye also be his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why, herein is a marvelous thing, that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God, and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. When he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, if ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. 
But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. <coughs> then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf cometh and coming in and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he's an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. There was a division, therefore, again among the Jews for these sayings. And many of them said, He hath a devil and is mad. Why hear ye him? Others said, These are not the words of him that hath a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? So far we read from the Holy Scriptures this morning. And the passage of Scripture that we just read, and all of Scripture, is based the teaching of our Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 6. There we read. Why must he be very man and also perfectly righteous? Because the justice of God requires that the same human nature which had sinned should likewise make satisfaction for sin. And one who is himself a sinner cannot satisfy for others. Why must he in one person be also very God? That he might by the power of his Godhead, sustain in his human nature the burden of God's wrath, and might obtain for and restore to us righteousness and life. Who then is that mediator who is in one person, both very God and a real righteous man? Our Lord Jesus Christ, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Whence knowest thou this? From the Holy Gospel, which God himself first revealed in paradise and afterwards published by the patriarchs and prophets, and represented by the sacrifices and other ceremonies of the law, and lastly has fulfilled it by his only begotten Son. 
Dearly beloved, in our Lord Jesus Christ, this last question of the Lord's Day asks, Whence knowest thou this? From what source? Earlier we had another question that was similar. There it was talking about our misery. Whence knowest thou thy misery? From what source? There the answer that was given is, out of the law of God. Here, the question is asked after it talks about Christ as the one who is one person who is very God and a real righteous man. And after answering the question that that is our Lord Jesus Christ, then it asks, whence knowest thou this? And the answer that's given is, from the holy gospel which God himself has revealed. Now in the passage we read, the question was asked to this man that was born blind, how is it that you now see? Is it not the case that you were born blind? And if you were born blind, how is it that you now see? And of course, this man gradually grew in his own understanding. As Jesus spoke to him and revealed himself to the man, asking the man whether he believed on the Son of God, And when the man asks, who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? Jesus said, thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And and he worshipped him. His eyes were opened in more than one sense. He knew and confessed the truth concerning Jesus, that he is the Son of God. And of course, he would grow in understanding as time went on. But at this point, we read of him making that confession, Lord, I believe. How is it that he believed? Whence knowest thou this? How is it that you believe this? Jesus, who is the light, opens our eyes, causes us to see. He works in us faith by the proclamation of the gospel concerning the Messiah, concerning the mediator. He causes us to understand the truth that we have in this Lord's day. That has to do with who Christ is and the fact that he is both God and man and that we have salvation in him, that he is our mediator and that we come to God by him. So we look at it from the viewpoint of Christ as the door and that he's the mediator and we begin looking at it from that point of view. Secondly, we look at it from the viewpoint that he is the light who causes us to understand this, to know this, to confess this. And then lastly, we take note of how in this section he talks about how his sheep, his sheep are safe. His sheep are secure. When we look at the context, we see that this man had just been cast out. The Jewish leaders had said that if anybody confessed Jesus to be the Christ, they'd cast him out, cast him out of the synagogue. When Jesus, when this man says about Jesus that he is of God, if this man were not of God, he could do nothing. Well, they cast him out. Then Jesus hears that he's been cast out 
and Jesus comes to him and talks to him. And then it goes on and talks about how Jesus is the door. He is the shepherd. And those who are his sheep are protected and safe in him. In the last place, we look at it from the viewpoint of the, of the sheep. We look at this Lord's Day under the theme, Christ the door. We consider, first of all, the door. Secondly, the light. And thirdly, his his sheep. First of all, with regard to Christ as, as the door and as the mediator, this Lord's Day, this Lord's Day begins with a section that's very similar to the end of the previous section. The fact that it goes through it again, although from a little bit of a different point of view, uh, the fact that it goes through it again is serving to bring out how important and fundamental this doctrine is. The doctrine will come up again when we talk about the incarnation uh, a few Lord's Days down. There have been false teachings in the past and in the present that are against the, the, the fundamental teachings concerning Jesus being both God and man. And one person. The question that's first asked is why does why must he be very man and also perfectly righteous? Now those two questions are put together. With regard to why he must be a man, well we understand the same human nature that sinned should likewise make satisfaction. It's not going to be an angel. It's not going to be the case that the blood of an animal is going to be sufficient. Rather, the same human nature that sin should likewise make satisfaction. As far as why he must be righteous, is that a sinner is that one who is himself a sinner cannot satisfy for other persons if he himself is a sinner. The previous Lord's Day brings out that the, we daily increase our debt. We needed the just to suffer for the unjust. We are the unjust. And we needed someone who was just, someone who was righteous, to suffer for us. Why must he be very God? Well, only God could sustain the wrath of God. It says that he would be able to sustain in his human nature the burden of God's wrath. Now, only God could sustain God's wrath and deliver us from it. So he had to be God, and that is brought out also in the, in the previous Lord's Day. Now, why does he have to be one person? Now, that's an that, that is something that is brought up in this Lord's Day when it brings out the idea that he's one person. He two, has two natures, but he is one person. And that's, a, that's an area where sometimes people have, you know, have made mistakes. If the question is asked about Christ, is he one person or two? That sometimes people have made a mistake there and said that he's two. Because in their mind, they're getting confused. The fact that he has two natures, and then they're saying that he's two persons, when clearly he's not. He is one person. If he was two persons, we'd have two saviors then. How could you have two saviors? If you've got two persons, then you've got a combined work of these two persons, and you've got... Well, you'd have then two saviors. One of the saviors would then just be a man. One of them would be God. One of them would just be a man. Where the one who saves us, the only one that can save us is God. And all the glory must be to God. He must be one person. Two natures. One person. And... The relationship, and this is an interesting point in this Lord's Day, that it brings out 
that he would sustain the wrath of God in his human nature. And he would do it by the power of his divine. That's another point. The question is asked, did Christ sustain the wrath of God in his divine nature or in his human nature? It's another place where there's a common mistake in answering that question. The people will say in his divine nature, because they think only God can sustain God's wrath. So in the divine nature, where the answer is in his human nature, and then you go back to the idea that man sinned, and man must make the same human nature that sin must make satisfaction. He sustained it in his human nature. But it says, by the power of his Godhead, he did that. He sustained the wrath of God in his human nature by the power of his Godhead. And he has obtained for, and he restores to us, righteousness and life. He's our head. He's one person. Second person of the Trinity. And that's interesting too. Of the three persons, which one would it be? Well, it would be the Son. The one who is eternally the Son of God would take upon himself the human nature. And now the Son also from the viewpoint of his human nature. The Son would take upon himself the human nature. And he is our head legally and also organically. We are connected to him. And we receive all the blessings of salvation through him. The mediator. And obviously, there's only one. We don't turn to Mary and pray to Mary, as many do, or other saints. Angels are not mediators. There's only one mediator. It's Christ dishonoring to be praying to Mary or to other saints. And that is not something that those saints would want either. For people to be praying to them. Christ is the one mediator. And it says in the answer concerning him, who then is that mediator who is in one person, both very God and a real righteous man, After saying, our Lord Jesus Christ, it then, and it's quoting 1 Corinthians 1, it says, who is of God made unto us wisdom. We have wisdom in Jesus Christ. And righteousness and sanctification, and those words go together, we are righteous in Christ, and he sanctifies us. And then lastly, it mentions Redemption, that he has redeemed us. He has he, he satisfied the justice of God. He has redeemed us. He works in us. He works in us faith. We are justified. We are sanctified. We receive all the blessings of salvation in Jesus Christ, the mediator. We have no need for another mediator. The Jewish leaders, they, you know, they claimed they were the instructors. And that means they were the shepherds. And they, they remove someone. They, they say they're going to kick people out of the synagogue that confess Christ as if they, they have the keys and they can excommunicate whomever they decide where Jesus in contrast says he's the light 
One of the things to see in this, when you talk, Jesus talks about himself as the light and as the shepherd and as the door, that stands in contrast to the Jewish leaders who are saying they're the instructors. They're the shepherds. Jesus is saying he's the good shepherd, and he makes the contrast between these Jewish leaders that are like thieves and, thieves and robbers. There's a close connection between these two chapters. In chapter 9, the Jewish leaders are referred to as those who think they see, and they claim that they see. Jesus said he came that those who think they see might be made blind. They go deeper into darkness. In chapter 10, these same Jewish leaders are now referred to as the symbolism changes. Now they're referred to as those who are thieves and robbers. Or you read of one who is a hireling and not the shepherd, who doesn't care about the sheep. Jesus says he is the good shepherd. He's the instructor. He's the light. He's the one that opens the eyes. He came that those who see not, and who by the grace of God confess that they see not, that they might see. He is the door. And you see how the connection, when he talks about himself as the door, how that goes with in the previous chapter, they had just cast him out. So from the, from the viewpoint of that man, that man, he was just, you know, he just cast out. And Jesus says, I'm the door. I am the door. And he says, by me, if any man enter, he shall be saved. And he'll go in and out and find pasture. And then he goes on, and, and then he also in that section talks about how his sheep are saved. When we look at that, at this chapter, we see how it is the case still today that there are many that are, say, I'm the instructor. I'm the shepherd. You should come and listen to, listen to me. Jesus is the shepherd. He is the light. There are many that speak against the proclamation of the gospel of Christ. Speak against the church of Jesus Christ that is preaching that gospel. Where Christ is speaking. Because Christ speaks through the preaching of the gospel. And there are those still today that will speak against those that are listening to the proclamation of that gospel and would try to get people to turn away from Christ. That's the way it was for this man. That's the way it is still today. And those that will make false accusations say, you know, talking about him is doing, what he's doing is evil. They're going to cast him out. Jesus says something different about this man. Jesus refers to those who, by the grace of God, believe in him. And he says, if any man enters by him, by Jesus, the door, he shall be saved. How is it that somebody comes to understand the truth? How is it that you now see this story, familiar story about the man who was born blind and how he's healed? And we see the questions that are asked of him and you can see how they would apply to us too. Were you not born blind? You say, yes, well, how is it that you now see? And that was the case with this man. 
Well, Jesus opened mine eyes. And we read of how, in this section, how Jesus guided this man to grow in his own understanding. Jesus, what was happening was that Jesus was being opposed in chapter 8. There's a lot in the book of John about the opposition that Jesus faced throughout his life. And then what it was like also for the disciples who were following Jesus and all these false things were said about him. Were said about their teacher whom they were following. The book of John details that. A number of times people taking up stones in chapter 8. We read of them taking up stones to stone them. Jesus passes by a blind man in John chapter 9. And then the disciples ask that question about who sinned, this man or his parents, and so on. Uh... And Jesus says not that this man or his parents sin, but that the works of God may be made manifest in him. And he spits on the ground, he makes clay, puts it on the man's eyes and tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. He does so and then he sees. And then he's asked that, how is it that your eyes were open? And first he says, a man called Jesus. And he talks about what this man called Jesus did. Now, this was on the Sabbath day, so the Jewish leaders take advantage of that and think, oh, you know, it was on the Sabbath day. Well, he's not of God. He doesn't keep the Sabbath. And they ask him, they ask the man that was born blind, what do you, what do you say of him? And he says, he's a prophet. That's in John 9, verse 17. He's a prophet. Then they claim to be they claim to be Moses' disciples. When, Jesus, when he asked them, are you also going to be one of his disciples? They say, we are Moses' disciples. Then notice they claim to be holding to this man of, the teachings of this man of God in the past, Moses. They're claiming, you know, we hold to what Moses said, you know. We're Moses' disciples. As if there's some disagreement between what Christ is teaching and what Moses, the man of God, taught in the past even when there's not that Christ that Moses spoke of Christ and now the Christ has now the Christ has come and was speaking the truth and then when they say about Jesus the Jewish leaders say we know not from whence he is that's when he makes the statement, if he were not of God, he could do nothing. And they cast him out. <coughs> Jesus hears that they cast him out, asks him, do you believe? And he refers to himself as the son of God. Often he referred to himself as the son of man. In talking to this man, he asks him, do you believe on the Son of God. And then he shows himself willing to be taught. Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? <coughs> Thou hast both seen him, and it is he with, that talketh with thee. And then he says, I believe. It was for this man's benefit. God turned it, that was, you know, God averts evil or turns it to our profit. This man is cast out. What they do, what they do is wicked. God averts evil or turns it to our profit. It was good that this man could see 
what these Jewish leaders were like, grow more to see that. And also now Jesus comes to him and speaks to him and makes known to him, I that speaketh, you see him and he's the one talking with you. And he confesses that he believes. How is it that you believe? How is it that you now see? That if the question is asked, dost thou believe on the Son of God? You would answer, yes, you do. What do you say of him? Well, you would say he's the prophet. You would say that he's the prophet, priest, and king. You'd also say that he is one person, second person of the Trinity, took upon himself the human nature, a real righteous man, still has the human nature today, and very God, and that he's our mediator, he's our savior, he's our redeemer. Whence knowest thou this? From the Holy Gospel. Christ speaks to you. He preaches to you. And Christ, the gospel is the good news about him. It's the good news about Christ. So that when we are preaching the word, we are always... We know every passage of Scripture talks about Christ. In this passage, it's right out there in the oak. But we know that every passage, even if Christ is not explicitly named, every passage is about Christ. And preaching the gospel is preaching about the mediator. Or as we say in the third and fourth head of the canons, Article 6, it's the glad tidings concerning the Messiah, glad tidings, good news, the mediator concerning Christ and concerning his work. Now that gospel concerning Christ, that gospel was also set forth in the Old Testament. That's brought out here. It's also brought out in the canons. There's another place where we read of the same idea. That's an important point. It's important to recognize that in the old dispensation, it was also the case that what was proclaimed was the good news about the Messiah. The difference being that then the Messiah had not come yet, but it was the case that it was first revealed in paradise, as answer 19 says, and that mother promised concerning the seed of the woman that would come. It was afterwards published by the patriarchs and prophets that spoke about the coming Messiah. And then there were the sacrifices, the ceremonies of the law. We think of the Old Testament priest and the sacrifices pointing to Christ's work as priest and the sacrifice that he would offer. The Old Testament spoke of Christ. And then lastly, it says, has fulfilled it by his only begotten son. Our mediator, the mediator of the new covenant, the mediator of the elect. He is the one who saved you, and he is also the one that has guided you to see and to believe. Blindness comes on those who reject him and reject what he says. Those who speak against Christ, those who falsely accuse, those who proclaim the gospel of Christ, 
what would happen to them? What would happen to those who say they see, they see, and yet make false accusations against those who preach the gospel of Christ? Jesus said that he came that those that see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. Go deeper, deeper into darkness. Jesus speaks of those who hate their brother as being in darkness. We read of that in in 1 John. There's a lot of similarities between the book of John and like, say, for example, 1 John. And that idea of light, which is seen repeatedly in the book of John, there's a number of references. You see the same idea in... 1 John, light and darkness, says those that hate his brother is in darkness. Where in John 12, verse 46, it says, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Whoever, whosoever truly believeth on me should not abide in darkness. That's John 12, verse 46. And it's only by the grace of God that anybody does. Is this man who would, after this point, go around and see? And how amazing that must have been that he had never seen in his life. And now as he gets up each day and he goes around and he, and he sees. Think, I've never seen before, and now I can see. And how often that subject must have come up in conversations as he would have different experiences, see different things he hasn't seen before. And he can see. How is it that you can see? And it would always go back to how it is, who it is that opened his eyes and how he came to see. Of course, we confess not only that Christ has opened our eyes and that we see, but we also confess that we have much to learn. When we confess we can see, that doesn't mean that we don't make many mistakes and that we could never be corrected because we see and we understand in such a way that we would never make a mistake. Well, we don't say that. God has guided us that we do see and we do confess. For example, we have in this Lord's Day, we confess that we have no doubt that this is true. No doubt at all. That what we read of here, what we confess here is the truth of the word of God. Yet we also recognize as we read each passage that we have much to learn and we, by the grace of God, are to look to God that he may instruct us and at times correct us and that we may receive correction and be thankful for it. God continues to teach us. We continue to learn. We who are Christ's sheep, we come to God We come to God in prayer, 
We come to God by Jesus Christ. We pray, and we don't say, when we pray, we don't think, well, I don't know if God will hear me, I'm so unworthy. Well, we don't pray on the ground of our, un of our worthiness. We offer, prayer to ground, we offer prayer to God on the ground of Christ's worthiness. His worthiness. We come to God by Jesus Christ, whose righteousness is ours. By faith. So that when we are praying and coming to God by Jesus Christ, we do so in the consciousness that his righteousness is ours by faith. We have access to the divine majesty. We have a sympathetic high priest who was tempted in all points as we are yet without sin. He intercedes for you, for me. You have one interceding for you who loves you. He's shown you his love for you and laid down his life for you. And he ever liveth and makes intercession for you. He has power and majesty, sits at the right hand of God, and he will certainly be heard. We're so comforted knowing that we have a faithful, sympathetic high priest. And in Christ, our high priest, we're safe. Jesus brought that out in this, in this section. You know, elsewhere too, we read about Jesus said he's the good shepherd and no one can snatch them from his hand. Jesus says here, uh, Concerning his sheep, a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Then he says, all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter any shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. We're safe. We're fed. There may be others that speak against us wrongly. That was the case with Christ. They spoke against Christ. They falsely accused Christ and spoke wrongly of Christ's disciples. That's the way it has been then. That's the way it will be. That's the way it is today. But in Christ, we're safe. Jesus said, the thief cometh not for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life. And that they might have it more abundantly. He came that you and I might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. Abundantly. We have life. We do see and we look forward, going forward, as we grow more to understand 
And we look forward to that day that we'll be taken to be with Christ in heavenly glory. And the day in which he'll return. When there will be a new heaven and a new earth. When we'll live with our God forever. Body and soul. We look forward to that day. Christ came that we might have life might have it more abundantly. What a comfort we have in the midst of opposition. What a comfort and a joy we have in Christ. May we with boldness confess what Christ teaches and may we follow him, submitting to him, showing our thankfulness to him, glorifying his name. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, our God and our Father, we are thankful, O Lord, for the grace that thou dost give unto us. We are thy sheep. We have been saved by thy grace. Thou hast opened our eyes. We also confess, O Lord, we need thee constantly to guide us and teach us. Grant us, O Lord, that grace. May we learn, may we grow. May we be strengthened, O Lord, by thy spirit. May we be comforted in times of sorrow and difficulties that we know we are thine. Grant us the grace as we follow the good shepherd who laid down his life for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.